Through their investment in the Minnesota Corn Checkoff, corn growers are fueling research and initiatives that build a more sustainable future for farmers and all Minnesotans. The Minnesota Corn Podcast introduces you to the individuals who are shaping future ag practices, identifying new markets, and promoting agriculture with the non-farming public. Our guest for this episode is Daniel Kaiser, an associate professor and extension soil specialist with the University of Minnesota. Dan, today we're going to be talking about a research project that involves Minnesota corn. And the title of the project is, is Fixed Ammonium, an Important Part of the Nitrogen Cycle. Let's begin by having you talk about why this was a direction that you wanted to go in. Well, Mark, one of the things that we've seen in the last five years is if we looked at some of the the nitrate levels we're pulling in the fall, uh, situations where we saw very low levels. Um, and it, it kind of made me think a little bit about what was going on, because normally, you know, if you're a grower, you know, just to say in southern Minnesota, you'd be looking at probably 30 to 40 pounds of residual nitrate in a two foot soil sample that you take um, in the fall after harvest. And we just weren't seeing that. And that was one of the things that uh, we had situations where there was almost no nitrate left at all. And while well, you think, well, that's great for corn because we're, we're utilizing it all, it does raise questions in terms of our nitrogen recommendations, because if we count on a portion of that nitrogen or that nitrate that the crop's going to use the next year, then does that mean we need to apply more nitrogen? So it started to me think about some of the fundamental processes that we don't understand, Um because obviously the nitrogen cycle is, if you look at it in the soil, is very complex. Uh, fixed ammonium is one of them. And, um, you know, by fixed ammonium, what it is, is um, a lot of times we talk about fixed potassium. Um, if you look at most soils that have clays, is that the clays stack together like plates. So if you just imagine a stack of plates in the cupboard that each of the plates is an individual you know, clay layer. And in between those layers, we can trap potassium and even trap ammonium. So the question then in my mind is, you know, is some of that cycling, um, are we seeing maybe with some of these wetter, dry years, some changes in potassium and ammonium? Because the two, if you look at it, they're about the same size. So ammonium, the ion, and the potassium ion, they're about the same size. So they'll actually sit in the same little pockets between these clay layers. And I just want to get a little bit of better understanding of, you know, whether or not um, there was something that was impacting some of our nitrogen requirement that may indicate maybe years that we need, need to apply more nitrogen, maybe years we need to apply less. And it's just something we don't understand. We don't know how much is there and how things change over time. So that's kind of the um, the main emphasis of this project is this just to get a little bit better understanding of how much do we have for ammonium that's that's kind of in this so-called fixed fraction? I don't like using fixed because sometimes it puts the connotation that it's not available. I mean, really anything that's when we start talking about these fixed pools are just part of a retention pool that we see within a yearly basis of whatever nutrient it is and just see how they're changing over time. So that was kind of the the main thing I thought, um, you know, it would be just interesting to start looking at this because it's just something we don't completely understand a number of different directions we could go from here, but it sounds like the ultimate goal here is to potentially revise some of those nitrogen recommendations that the university provides to farmers. That that could be a very important potential outcome, right, Dan? 
Well, it's one of the things, Mark, is just trying to figure out, you know, some of these sites that we need more nitrogen. We know there's sites we need more and we know we need less. The the recommendations themselves kind of figure on, on an average year. And really what I um, really stress to a lot of growers when we start talking about our nitrogen guidelines is their starting point. Uh, we know that there's fields out there, again, that um, it may be different from what we have. And we know that um, looking at our data, if we look at the data set that goes into our nitrogen guidelines that we... we um, Generally, are going to represent roughly about two thirds to maybe you know seventy percent of the sites within the um, the recommendation strategy we have. So it's just a question of um, trying to get a better handle on whether or not there's some sort of soil factor that we can look at trying to to divide or subdivide some of these sites into to see you know what are these more or less responsive sites. So that's kind of the end goal. The thing with the nitrogen cycle, though, it's it's just it's a very complex process, and that's kind of the problem and we get a lot of questions from growers on variable rate nitrogen. Um, the the Really, the, the thing with the answer, though, is we don't have a simple answer to it. So I've been looking at a few things um, within our database itself. And then this project kind of came along to kind of look at um, ammonium, but also look at potassium because the, the two are both dynamic over time. We look at it, if you look at extractable ammonium and extractable potassium levels in the soil, and they, they may relate to each other. So... You know, I've been doing a lot of work on potassium as of late, trying to fine tune the guidelines. And um, so it kind of went hand in hand. And that's one of the things, again, about the, the two ammonium and potassium is that um, the the fixation process can affect both. And so this retention process or what we call this fixation process um, can affect both. So that's kind of the, the thing that it it gives me a, at least the, the opportunity to look at two things and not just one. So it's look at one thing that we don't know a lot about and another, you know, even the, the potassium part of it too, that um, it's not very well understood. So just getting a better idea on how to manage both of these nutrients, because there's a lot of talk always out there about the um, an interaction between potassium and nitrogen. And it's, it's one of the things that we haven't really looked at here, um, at least not outside of um, some sandy soils, which is a completely different animal just because they don't have the the clay and the ability to hold nutrients like they would in, in some of these other soils. But um, it just said just a good time to look at it because, you know, growers are looking at you look at trying to trim costs and we'd really like to be more accurate in terms of what we'd recommend for a lot of these these nutrients and um, kind of knowing on a site by side basis whether or not we need to make some changes. Given the complexities that you've talked about, do you have a, a time frame in mind with this study as far as how many years of data you want to compile before you can maybe move forward with guidelines, recommendations, revisions? Well, I think, Mark, one of the key points here really is to look at fertilizer applications and how do our fertilizer applications impact some of these basic processes in the soil, which takes more than a year to do. The sites that we're looking at now, I'm looking at a three-year process of trying to just continually put on various rates of potassium and various rates of nitrogen in a continuous corn setting to see what's happening, both, again, over time, but also look at whether or not um, some of these fertilizer applications are adding to this retention pool or this this fixed pool for both um, potassium and ammonium. So, it's one of those things that's not easy to do in a given year because we do a lot of single year studies. And what I've been finding is more and more is we look at these, we have to look at some of these um, things as systems. So look at it more over time 
to see what's happening because management, if you know, a lot of growers out there know it's, it's not a simple thing. Your soils all vary and what happens over time in terms of available nutrients can, um, can change from one soil to the next. So we started two sites last year. Uh, we have a site at Rosemont on a, a deep lesser silt loam soil that would be a representative of, of southeastern Minnesota. And we started another site at Lamberton in uh, 2022. Uh, this year, we started two additional sites, at one at Waseca and then one down by Rochester. So we're kind of looking at staggering it, but again, looking at a three-year process to try to see um, you know, whether or not continual application of these nutrients um, every year in front of corn in a continuous corn situation has an impact on on some of these these fixed uh, nutrient pools. You did articulate this already, but kind of circling back to your comments about potential farmer impact as they're watching the cost of inputs, sort of just summarize that message again, Dan, for farmers and, and what this study could ultimately mean for them. Well, it's just trying to see if we've got sites where we can be more predictive of just specifically nitrogen requirement, I think is a good starting point. Because again, we look at our database and while our recommendations are kind of, it's not really an average, uh, but it um, gives us something that's a good starting point. We know there's a lot of variability and I think growers know that. If you look at some of your your fields, you may need more nitrogen, some you may need less. So one of the, the key things here is just to see whether or not um, just some of these 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 fixed pools, whether or not that feeds into that situation where maybe we get a situation where more ammonium is fixed and in we need more nitrogen, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe having more retained is feeding the crop where we need less. We again, we just don't understand it. So that's kind of the key here is just to get an idea of um, you know just one more of those aspects of the nitrogen cycle um, that we don't fully understand. And then for potassium, it's just trying to see more what's going on in these these soils because we've seen situations where growers have a hard time building their soils. So they're trying to build to a certain point. They can put as much as they want on there, but it does it seems just like it's disappearing. And we know that potassium outside of sandy soils shouldn't leach. So it's got to be going somewhere. And that's one of the things that uh, with some of these um, these these fixed or these inner layer between the clay layers, these um these pools, is that there is some evidence out there that they respond more to our some of our fertilizer applications than our actual um soil test values that we're we're sending to the lab. So it's kind of getting an idea on, on what soils this is occurring and then what's that overall impact um for both potassium and ammonium is, is really kind of the, the key point we're looking at with this particular study. If you wouldn't mind, uh, let's touch briefly on the value of having a, a commodity group like Minnesota Corn that wants to sort of pour into this kind of research. And and I know from past conversations that that relationship between Extension and Minnesota Corn, it's a, it's a strong, healthy relationship. Well, it is. And it's it's I mean, I, I am thankful for the, the Minnesota Corn Research and Promotion Council for finding some value in funding this study, because a lot of times you, you look at a lot of where the grower interested, it's whatever's kind of coming up in a lot of the farm magazines. I mean, one of the biggest ones right now are biologicals, and we are doing some work in those regards. But, you know, there's some of these other things, I think, that go into some of these fundamental processes um, for your fertility program that are kind of, to me, what are the basis of really what we are the foundation of things that we need to be worried about more 
than trying to chase some of these um these things are of interest and i think certainly i guess there's some value in you know some of these these other projects but just having the ability um to be able to get into some of these uh, more basic um research projects has a lot of value because i think it gives us an idea then of um i think some of the key factors that fit within again in some of this foundational these this foundational um research that goes into just the basics of some of the our fertility programs and that's one of the things I guess I've been thankful for having um, some funding agencies out there that have been seen some value in doing that because it doesn't isn't always the case that we can get into some of these things that really are the core things that feed into some of the fertilizer guidelines. So that's kind of what, what I kind of just feel looking at this particular study. It's something that will give us a little bit better understanding of, of some things that we can use at least for fine-tuning some of our guidelines, which are kind of the starting point that we need to be focused on for our um, – fertilizer programs to ensure we have maximum yield on a year-to-year basis. Well, I'm looking forward to reconnecting with you into year two and then year three with this study to to hear more about the results. But anything else today, Dan, that we haven't touched on regarding the study that you think is really important to mention? Well, Mark, one of the things I find interesting right now is just some of the initial values we're pulling. Uh, we've been looking at just the amount of ammonium that's kind of in that fixed fraction uh, or that retained fraction between the inner layer space it's around you know 100 to 140 part per million which is a significant amount if you you factor in kind of just a general rule of thumb for conversion that can be as much as around 200 pounds of nitrogen that's locked up in that particular fraction so it speaks to a lot to what our soil has and what it can supply even though um, you know only a small portion of that may be getting to the crop on an annual basis so you know, that's been the interesting things kind of to me looking at this right now is just seeing how much is is there. Um, what'll be interesting again to see whether or not some of our fertilizer practices go into feeding some of that fraction because, you know, you hear growers or consultants talk about mining the soil. Uh, one thing that we know that, um, you know, our soils are very productive just because of what's there. So it's just trying to keep that productivity high and just kind of seeing again what some of these processes are are happening that maybe are a little bit beyond what we see with the routine soil test is kind of what's interesting to me right now. Is there a way maybe through an extension website for farmers to follow along with your research? So Mark, um, a lot of our research, um, I try to update at least once a year on a lot of the major projects through uh, Minnesota Crop News. So if you aren't um, a member or you haven't subscribed to it, it's it's a good place to start because we'll have um, not only this project, but many of the other projects, as well as a lot of our information on pest management and stuff and stuff that's pertinent to a particular season, we tend to release through Minnesota Crop News. Um, our nutrient management group at the university, we're very active. Um, we have annual or we have uh, weekly releases typically of um, blog posts that are generally relevant to information or research that we have going on at the point in time or key topics that have come up from growers um, from questions within that point in time. So that would be the thing I would say to people, if you're interested uh, Minnesota crop news, you can just Google search that you should be able to find that um, and kind of see what's going on there in, in terms of, of the information we have available to you from extension. You can also learn more by visiting mncorn.org.